Uh, well, with that, I have the great privilege of bringing us God's word today. Um, our text is from Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 7 to 14. And if you can choose your translation, we're going to be reading from the New Living Translation, okay, the NLT. Um, you'll also see it on the screen as well, but this is Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 14. This is the reading of God's word. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Amen. Uh, well, today uh, we are wrapping, our, wrapping up our summer series called Unlearn and Relearn. Uh, I really did not think uh, this is how we were going to wrap up the series, but I think it's very fitting given the fact that I feel like this entire season has been a constant cycle of unlearning and relearning. Like at this very moment, I am relearning how it feels to preach to a camera again, something I had to unlearn uh, back in June when we were back in person, but here we are uh, going through this process again. And, and kind of the entire premise behind this series has been that when we make the decision to follow Jesus, we're not just making a decision to adopt a certain set of beliefs. We're making a decision to adopt a new way of life to live the way Jesus lived, to leave behind old habits, practices, and mindsets, and basically, re, uh, and basically relearn and embrace new habits, practices, and mindsets that draw us into a deeper relationship with him and with others. And this is uh, often a process that is not easy. This is a process that is very painful and very difficult, uh, but this is something that he calls us to do. And if you're joining us for the first time or this is your first time uh, uh, hearing any part of this series, I would definitely recommend going back and listening to all the different sermons in this series because my guess is that there's probably one specific habit or practice that you personally struggle with the most. Uh, maybe for some of us, it's busyness. It's this constant need to do, do, do. Uh, this constant need to be productive. Uh, maybe for some of us, it's comparison or control or a mindset of scarcity, this mindset that says we don't have enough. And whatever it may be for you, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus teaches us a new way of being. Jesus tells us that we don't have to live this way. And it's a process that sometimes takes time. Again, it's a process that's often painful, but because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we don't 
have to live like this anymore. We don't have to become enslaved to habits, practices, and mindsets that have enslaved us for our entire lives. And I'd like to title the final sermon in this series, From Perfection to Progress. Okay, from perfection to progress. I think this is a really fitting end uh, to this series because if you're anything like me, uh, maybe the past 10 weeks uh, have been very overwhelming for you. You know, maybe you're realizing you have a lot to unlearn. Maybe you're realizing that the way you've been living and moving through the world has been wreaking havoc on your soul without you even knowing it. Maybe you're, being, maybe you're really discouraged because you've been a Christian all your life and you're realizing that you're so far from where you need to be. You're still struggling with the same things. You're still unpacking the same baggage. You're still not the husband or father you want to be. And if this is you, I want to let you know that I, I, I believe this sermon is for you. And if this is you, I hope today will be an encouragement. And I hope today will be a reminder that God isn't done with you. That God isn't finished writing your story. That your life isn't through just yet. That even if you aren't exactly where you want to be at this very moment, that you would begin to see that God is in fact doing a good work in you. And that you, that you would learn how to trust the process as time-consuming and hard, as painful as that process might be. Uh, recently, I randomly read an interview with Ashley Simpson. And for some of you youngins out there, you probably don't even know who Ashley Simpson is. Uh, but she was a pop star back in the early 2000s. She had her moment of fame uh, back then. But in 2004, she kind of became famous for the wrong reasons. And basically in 2004, uh, she went on SNL and got caught lip-syncing to her own song. And uh, it was kind of a big deal back then, you know, and you know, I remember watching that moment in real time and it was one of the most embarrassing, uh, cringy moments I've ever seen on live TV. Uh, basically, like, she came on, sang through the first song, was great and then came back up on stage to sing the second song, but then the vocal track for the first song uh, started to play in the background. It was a, an artist's worst nightmare. Uh, but what was really strange for me uh, was that even more than the moment, what was really interesting was the moral outrage that came after the fact. Like, people weren't just making fun of Ashley Simpson on the internet, they were destroying her in the media. There were articles being written about how Ashley Simpson was the death of music, uh, about how she was everything wrong with the pop industry, how she was proof that real talent didn't exist anymore, that all musicians, all they did was auto-tune everything and use studio magic. And I remember uh, reading an op-ed that was written about it a few months later, and it was directed toward all the haters. And the author of the op-ed was basically making the point that you know, as much as you're upset at what Ashley Simpson did, it's your fault. You did this. You created this because you demanded perfection. You were the ones who were circulating fail videos of singers making mistakes live. You were the ones writing blog posts, blasting artists when they didn't sound as good live as they did on the album. You were the ones who couldn't handle the fact that sometimes singers have off days too. You wanted perfection and now you're outraged that someone went through great lengths to give it to you? That's hypocrisy. 
And you have to understand that this was 2004. And we're almost, I mean, almost 20 years removed from, from that, which is pretty crazy. Um, but we live in a completely different world now. I mean, you got to think, if, if that was 2004, I mean, what do you think it is now? I mean, we live in a world where we are constantly bombarded by images and stories that send the not-so-subtle message that if you're not perfect, you're failing. Every picture is photoshopped. Every song is auto-tuned and quantized. You know, every caption edited and re-edited to perfection. I mean, that is the world that we live in. I mean, how can we not feel like we have to be perfect? And if we feel like any, and if we feel like we're achieving any less than the standard we've received, then we might as well not try. If we don't look like that, if we don't sound like that, we might as well not try. And we've lost the joy of the process. We've lost the joy of, of trying and failing and then trying again because everyone wants the finished final product, but we know that life doesn't work like this. Um, let me sound like an old angry fart for a moment, and let me speak to all you young musicians out there, okay? Uh, you know, right now, there is so much technology. There are so many apps and plugins that you can use uh, where you really don't have to learn uh, how to play in time. You don't have to learn how to sing on pitch because you have technology to do all the work for you. My one encouragement for you today, okay, pro tip, don't skimp on the process. It's the process of trying, 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 failing, 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 but getting up and trying again that is the secret to real growth and maturity. Yes, it takes time. Yes, it takes work. Yes, it's going to feel awkward and inefficient. You might even really be bad for a while. But don't give in to the pressure to be perfect now, to be a certain way now. You know, what I love about our text today is that you have the Apostle Paul. He's maybe uh, the most influential figure in the history of Christianity outside of Jesus himself. He's someone that on the surface feels like hasn't made. On the surface who, you know, he's the guy you want to emulate. And I love our text today because here you have this this man who is like the MVP of Christianity, admitting that he doesn't have it all together. Here he is admitting that he's still a work in progress. Uh, just for some context, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi, and here in chapter 3, he's just gotten through listing off his entire resume. And it's as impressive as a resume uh, as you could find. Uh, he says he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He studied under the best and the brightest. Um, you know, he has so many accolades and accomplishments to his name. And yet this is where we pick up in verse 7. Paul says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. We see him unlearning 
and relearning, unlearning a mindset where he was finding his identity and significance in all these things and relearning a new mindset. And at first, as you're reading this, if you're like me, you're like, how does a guy do this? How does a guy just flip the switch and just completely change? How does he say that he's completely discarded his accomplishments and accolades for the sake of the gospel in the blink of an eye? Like, how am I ever going to be like the Apostle Paul? And it's like the Apostle Paul knows exactly what we're thinking because this is what he says in verse 12. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. He needs to say it twice because he wants his readers to know, just in case you think I've got it all figured out, I don't. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still a work in progress. And then he says this, but I focus on this one thing, Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I press on. Hey, I'm not there yet, but I press on. I'm going to keep pursuing. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep clinging because I know that all the grace I need is already available to me in Christ Jesus. The ESV, I love what the ESV, how the ESV puts it. It says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Put another way, all the grace you need to progress is already yours in Christ Jesus. And that should give us so much confidence, even if we're looking at our lives today and we're like, I'm so far from where I need to be. I'm missing the mark. What Paul is saying here is that though you may not always feel it, the grace you need to change and to move forward is already yours in Christ. He's got you. And so now all we have to do is trust the process. Uh, these past few weeks have been pretty stressful for me, uh, and I've been neglecting my kids, and, um, and they show me so much grace. And um, I know some of you can relate with this, but um, there is nothing more disheartening for a person uh, than to look at themselves in the mirror and just hate the person they're becoming. And I know we can all relate to this, you know, and sometimes there are days when I promised myself this is not the kind of father, this is not the kind of pastor I would be the kind of uh, pastor who neglects his kids for the church, the kind of pastor who always has something more important to do than to spend time with their kids. And sometimes it's really frustrating because I feel like I'm so far from where I need to be as a husband or father. You know, I start comparing myself to other dads. I start comparing myself to the dads who have time for their kids, who take them to sports and activities. And it's so frustrating for me. And this passage gives me so much hope because it's in these moments God reminds me that all the grace I need to move forward and to press on is already mine in Jesus. It may not look the way I want it to look. It may not be on my timetable, 
But at the end of the day, he's, he's in control, and he knows what he's doing. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The same God who gave me this undeserved gift of fatherhood is the same God who's going to make me the father he wants me to be. If you're tuning in today and you don't know what the heck is going on in your career and you're like, this is not where I thought I would be at this age and at this stage in my life, I have no idea what I'm doing, know this that the same God who put the passion in you, the same God who got you through school, the same God who got you into your first job is the same God who is leading you and guiding you today. So even if it takes time, even if there are twists and turns, know that you can trust the process because God always finishes what he starts. Um, You know, when I first moved to L.A., uh, a friend of mine uh, took me on this hike, And at the time, I thought I was in pretty good shape. And, uh, you know, uh, it was 95 degrees outside. It was all uphill. Uh, We had to, like, climb over branches. We had to wade through these small streams uh, to get to the top. And, um, you know, I I was pissed the whole time. The whole time I was like, yo, you did not tell me this hike was going to be like this. And every time he would turn to me, he said, just trust me. You'll thank me when we get to the top. Right? And I was like, I'm not going to thank you. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I felt like I was dying of heat exhaustion. And he was so annoying because uh, it wasn't like he was in much better shape than I was, but he was like chatting it up. He was cracking jokes. He was trying to have conversations with me. And every few like moments, I'd be like, hey, are we there yet? Are we close? And he'd be like, don't, you know, we still got a long way to go. And I'd be like, this is pointless. But every once in a while, he'd be like, Jason, 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 come here. And he would bring me to the ledge, and he would say, look down. That's where we were. I mean, no, that's not where we were. He'd be like, yeah, that's where we were. And he was reminding me that, hey, I I know you're tired, and I know it feels like we haven't made any progress. We haven't made any headway, but that's where we were. And I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how far we'd climbed. And sometimes we have to stop in these moments and look back 5, 10, 15 years and say, that's where we were. And I had to realize, I had to learn how to trust my friend that at the end of the day, he knew where he was taking me. He knew what he was doing. And I think oftentimes our spiritual lives can feel like this. Sometimes we think our spiritual lives, uh, like, move in a linear fashion that here's point a here's point b i just got to get from point a to point b and it goes in a straight line but we know that's not often how it is right we know that sometimes our lives take these crazy twists and turns there are hills and there are valleys and we have no idea what's going on but at the end of the day god says trust me i know what i'm doing and i know where i'm taking you and i feel like there are these moments we have to stop and pause and celebrate the small wins and realize how far we've come god says that's where you were remember that's where you were God allows us to celebrate the fact that, hey, today, I didn't give in to my destructive thoughts. Hey, today, I didn't lash out at my family. Hey, I'm not even close to where I want to be. But you know what? I'm going to thank God for the grace that I have that helped me get through today. You know, 
my job and my career and my life and my faith isn't exactly where I wanted it to be at this point in my life, but you know what? I'm going to thank God because of the grace that I've received, because I never even dreamed. When I think about it, I never even dreamed that I would get to this point. Thank you, God, for progress. This doesn't mean we settle for mediocrity. This doesn't mean we don't constantly challenge ourselves to be better. What it means is that we embrace the fact that we're unfinished and that it's okay. That we're works in progress and that it's okay. In fact, it's something to be celebrated because it means that God has so much more in store for you and me. You know, I think it's really interesting that on one hand, Paul says, I've discarded everything for the sake of Christ. And then in the very next verse, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. On one hand, Paul says, this is what I've done for the sake of Christ. And on the other hand, he says, this is what I still want to do for the sake of Christ. Paul understands that there's so much more to his story. Uh, for those of you who are at an age or at a stage in life uh, where you're wondering, like, is this how my story ends? You know, are my best days behind me? Is this it for me? I want to encourage you and I want to remind you that the Apostle Paul is writing this from prison. He's actually lived a long life. And if I were Paul, I would be sitting there in my prison cell being like, I guess this is how the story ends. I guess this is how it's going to end for me. You know, maybe my best days are behind me. But we don't even get a hint of that. Paul is talking about what's ahead. Looking forward to what's ahead. He has so much confidence that God is not done with him just yet. And there's still so much more to the story God is writing in his life. You know, at the end of Jesus' life, when Jesus is hanging on the cross... And he's naked, he's beaten, he's bruised, he's lifeless. Everyone looked at him and thought the story was over. They thought it was the end. But he knew, and we knew, we now know that the story wasn't over. That in three days, God raised Jesus from the dead. There was so much more to the story, which means there's so much more to your story, which means there's so much more to my story. And you know what the most profound thing is about the gospel? Is that because of Jesus' work on the cross, when God looks at us, he doesn't look at us the way we often look at ourselves, with all of our brokenness and imperfections and inadequacies. He doesn't look at us for everything that we're not. He looks at us for the people we're becoming. He looks at us through the perfect righteousness of Christ, there is perfection in our progress, and it's not our own, but it's the immaculate perfection of Jesus. Let me close with just two simple applications for us here. Um, number one, be gentle with yourself. You know, it's really easy in a world that demands perfection from us to get down on ourselves and super disappointed in ourselves when we, when we feel like we're not achieving or performing at the standards set before us. When we start comparing ourselves to others, when we start making other people's progress the litmus test for our progress, and my encouragement for you is to be reminded that in Scripture, nobody has the same story and nobody has the same journey. 
and to try to live up to someone or some ideal that isn't ours is to rob ourselves of the unique story that God is writing in our lives. Even when you're not moving at the pace you want to be moving, even when things aren't happening the way you want them to, know that God isn't disappointed in you. He's not upset with you. He's rooting for you. He loves you. And he's so proud of you. And you know why we know this? You know why we know that God celebrates his ongoing work in us even before the work itself is completed? Do you know why we know that God celebrates every small win with his children? It's because this is what loving fathers do. Why do you think parents take videos of their kids crawling for the first time? Why do you think parents take videos of their kids' first steps? I don't know any parent who looks at their kids stand up on his or her own for the first time and says, eh, but can they, can they run yet? No. No parent does that. Every parent is ecstatic. Every parent is rushing, trying to find their phone so they can take this video. Every parent is screaming, you got it. You're doing it. I'm so proud of you. Because this is the father's heart. This is a parent's heart. Friends, right now, you may not be exactly where you want to be in your faith or in your life, but I want you to be gentle with yourself because you may not think you're making progress, but you need to know that your Heavenly Father is celebrating with you every step of the way. And with each small victory, with each small step forward, your Father looks upon you with love, and He says, you're doing it. I'm so proud of you. This is our God. So number one, be gentle with yourself. And number two, be gentle with others. You know, isn't it funny that all of us hate when people demand perfection from us, uh, but we have no problem demanding perfection from other people, from our friends, our family members, from our church, from our community group members. We want our spouses to be a certain way now. We want our kids to be a certain way now. We want our community group to be great now we want things now and we're unwilling to sit in the messiness of the process we like the idea that jesus isn't done with me yet i mean we love that idea but for some reason we can't seem to wrap our minds around the fact that jesus isn't done with them yet either you know one of my favorite passages in scripture is from john 21 when jesus appears to peter after the resurrection and he finds him on the shore, and you have to understand, Peter is probably at the lowest point in his life. He has just committed the worst possible wrong. He's abandoned his best friend. He just denied him three times. This is a guy who basically spent every waking moment with Jesus. This is the guy who Jesus said, I'm going to build my church upon you. And then just when he thought he had it all figured out, he fails in the worst way possible i mean you have to under you have to imagine the kind of mental emotional state peter was at in this moment and when jesus appears to him at the resurrection after the resurrection he doesn't rebuke him he doesn't condemn him he asks him a question he says simon son of john do you love me and i just think that's such a profound moment right simon son of john do you love me and it's Jesus in the most gentle, loving way, restoring Peter 
and giving him an opportunity. And Jesus, in that moment, is letting Peter know, I'm not going to hold you hostage to your past mistakes. You think your story is over? I'm not done with you yet. I'm not finished. There's still so much more I want you to do. So Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus isn't done with your husband. Jesus isn't done with your parents. Jesus isn't done with this church. So be gentle with others. Don't give up on them because Jesus hasn't. You know, friends, I don't believe that just because uh, we've now completed an 11-week sermon series that um, all of us will somehow magically start to live the life Jesus called us to live. For many of us, this is going to be a long process that maybe lasts our entire lives. It's going to be a process that's painful at times. It's going to be a process that often doesn't make sense. But my hope and prayer for all of us this morning is that we would remember that the one who started a good work in us will always carry it to completion. So today, may we embrace the messiness of our process, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, fighting, seeking, pursuing, but most importantly, receiving the gift of grace freely offered to us in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, none of us uh, come into this space today, wherever we're tuning in, none of us come to this worship service uh, a finished product. We're all broken pieces trying to figure it out. And yet, thank you for your grace. Thank you that in spite of our imperfections, in spite of our inadequacies, in spite of our brokenness, you loved us so much that you gave your only son. That he would die so that even though, even though today we aren't where we want to be, we can know that you have us, that you are holding us, and that you know where you're taking us. And today, God, we rest in the promise that you always finish what you started. So, God, I pray that this morning we would take hold, that we would embrace the grace you freely offer to us, the grace you showed us on the cross when you died for sinners, when you died for people who were against you. And I pray that that would give us hope, that even though the progress may look slow at times, even, the progress, even though the progress may not always move in a straight line, that we would know you're with us, guiding us, leading us, and celebrating with us every step of the way. We thank you for your love, which we will never be separated from. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.